Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Support everyday health with Go Healthy Pro Advanced Multi-60 Veg Caps from Chemist Warehouse. Now $32.99. This is In The Red with Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball on SENZ. I see red, I see red, I see red. I tell you what, being a Carlos Spencer fan, loving the blues, never thought I'd be in broadcasting and celebrating the Crusaders. But that's what we do here on SENZ. We put provincial bias to one side and we celebrate the team that has been the benchmark in New Zealand rugby for a long time now. Good evening. Mark Watson with you in the red alongside of me. I think out of Queenstown is Justin Marshall. Evening to you, Justin. Good evening to you, Watto, and uh, good evening to everybody. Joining us for In the Red. Um, wow, I tell you what, how quickly has this 2023 season came down, uh, come around? And it's been obviously much speculated about. There's a World Cup. Uh, there is obviously a lot to chat about, about the way that obviously we've now been able to formulate a proper Super Rugby format with all teams involved and, and no banging between um, a couple of conferences um, and the New Zealand teams absolutely hammering, hammering themselves. So. Yeah, it's very exciting. Let's talk about your Crusaders. They'll go in with reputation. They'll go in as the defending champions yet again. They're probably still a team on paper that everybody wants to beat. Scott Robertson, an interesting time and possibly transition in his coaching career. Number of changes in the squad, number of players that have left. Um, But when you do run across this team, are we likely to see... What okay? We'll put it this way: What what impact will there be on the Crusaders, no longer having their forwards coach, who is now with the All Blacks? Look, when you leave, uh, lose um, key personnel, uh, what are you? You lose people that have had an influence, and there's no doubt that Jace Ryan has had an influence on the side. Um, there's also very valid reasons why he has moved on because his expertise has been sought at the highest level. So it, it, it will leave a hole. And, and to try and deny that it doesn't, you're, you're just kidding yourself. So the, 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 when you think about what the Crusaders have done well in the last, I, I guess, four or five years is they've played to their strengths. And, and when they've got themselves into trouble, when you have an off day, and you do have an off day, when you know that you can go to a certain criteria and dig yourself out of a hole, uh, they've been able to do that. And that, without any shadow of a doubt, has been that forward pack, that engine room. And he was in control of that. Uh, I think the record that he set was impeccable in terms of the fact that he was the one that started to control a lot of their line-out attack, uh, their line-out more, which was so effective for them. Um, Look, the nucleus of that team is still there. So... His messaging throughout that period will still be very much at the forefront of the players that have been involved in that side through that four or five years that Jace Ryan's been involved. So they won't they won't lose a massive amount in terms of what they already know. But as we all know, you have to evolve. Otherwise, the rest of the teams catch up. They analyse, they look, they see where 
your strengths and weaknesses are and and they they attack them and th that's when you have to have evolution and and you know when you've got a great rugby brain um that, that's possible so it's now about making sure that they don't get complacent don't sit back on where they were and scott robertson's too astute for that to happen um but yeah it's a good point that you make when when there are loss of personnel uh, either in player or in coaches or in fitness or whatever part of the the squad that there is a loss um it will do a little bit of damage scott robertson you talk about evolution does he evolve every year does he bring different things as a coach every year and where does where does that evolution come from i mean everybody needs a coach does he have a coach where does he find that next step oh hell yes he does and um i think the one thing about scott robertson is what he is extremely motivated to do is to be successful now i i think if you ever wanted to sort of boil down uh why he is successful and and go okay yeah pretty cool he, he went from you know coaching club rugby which he was successful at into a very good side in canterbury in the npc and he was successful there and then he took the next step which was into uh the crusaders and again uh, an incredibly successful franchise so people will kind of go and I've heard these murmurs out there, and they're valid. Um, you know, you, you walk into sides like that, you probably are going to be a successful coach unless you get it mm. terribly wrong. And, and let's face it, Todd Blackadder, uh, Watto, didn't get it that wrong. Like, his record would be well and truly acceptable in any other franchise. You know, he, he, he only failed to make, I think, the, the finals once in the time that he was coaching the Crusaders. Uh, but he just couldn't quite get that final victory. But he was in semi-finals and playoffs throughout his entire coaching career. But in a franchise that is that successful, that was deemed to be not good enough. Whereas I would suggest across the rest of the, the Super franchises, his coaching pedigree would have been well accepted. So when you go back to Scott Robinson, people will go, well, why why is it acceptable that he's in a, a side stack full of All Blacks um, and... He's continuing to win, but why shouldn't he be winning with that caliber of player? Well, very simply because to win titles, you need to take that caliber of player to a, another level, which Todd Blackett couldn't quite get out of those players. Whereas Razor took over from that same group, he added a few new faces, but in general, he had the nucleus of what Todd Blackett was working with, but he found the formula to make them winners. Okay, and, so Justin, yeah. so when it comes to the, in the evolution and coaches and taking that team and saying, well, you know, not dissimilar to the America's Cup, it's about continually to evolve. And so you'd like yeah. to think that the Crusader is going to bring something slightly different, uh, another step up, another innovation from what we saw last year from them. So do you just take that plan to the team and then mould your team to it? Or do you need to understand the plumbing you've got and then build a game plan based on that? You need to basically do a bit of both. You need to understand the team dynamic and, and what makes that player group so good. When, when you've got, you know, such a, I guess, um, huge amount of access to All Blacks, uh, individually they are All Blacks for a reason because they're good rugby players, um, but they also had an environment that made them All Blacks. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I well and truly always go back to my situation that I felt I was very lucky to play and Canterbury and Crusaders sides that I felt made me all blacks because we had a DNA within our system that enabled me, yes, to be 
individually strong, but equally the team was incredibly functional. Um, so uh, what what Scott Robinson does really, really well, and I've seen and been involved in uh, what the Crusaders have been doing under his guidance. He's, I guess, forthcoming and allowing me as a good mate of his to come into the Crusaders and see his planning, um, to see his theme work, which is beyond comparison. Like the way that, when I say theme work, people go, what the hell does that mean? Well, theme work is getting that group of players to buy in to what the season is going to entail and what their goal setting is going to include within that season to enable them to be winners. And that's not easy to do because you've got to get senior players that are in their 30s who have been through processes before to go, by hell, that makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up and I want to play for this team this year and I want us to win because we're buying into this together. That's his strength. Then he gets his minions around him, and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but that's simply what it is. You've got to get around you the coaching group, the 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 the, the physios, um, the the analysis people that are all on the same page. And I feel that that's very much a strength of Scott Robertson. Uh, a classic example to throw at completely left field. What I was, I spoke to Aaron Major after his first stint with the Highlanders, and I said, "Mate, you know, what, not what went wrong, but what was." the reason that you didn't survive there. And he said, Marshy, I'll tell you why, mate. He said, because when I signed up for this gig, I signed up to put the boots on and to go out onto that field and coach my players and coach them in skills and coach them in game plan and and provide information, but also guidance and I guess uh, a a motivation to go out there and win each week. But he said, I didn't get the boots on. He said, as head coach, I spent my time. He said, I've got four kids at home and I'm looking after 45 kids every week. He said, I didn't get the chance to get out on the field and do what I wanted to do because I have to oversee all of the problems and infrastructure of what makes that team tick. And and that's the, the enigma that hangs over head coach at the mm-hmm. moment. If you don't create the environment that makes all of the individuals culturally as well happy, you'll get an unhappy side that just won't play anyway. So that is what Scott Robertson's strength is. So in answer to your question, yeah, he'll formulate all that around game plan wise, innovations or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's the culture that he creates that enables those players that have seen it all before, been there, been to the coalface and won finals to re-motivate themselves to win another one. Okay, Justin, I'll ask you this then, because there's been a lot of, innuendo, there's been a lot of rumour, speculation that he's going to be the all-black coach, there was a lot of discussion that possibly last year, if maybe it wasn't for a win in South Africa, he would have been given the tap on the shoulder and he might be the existing all-black coach mm-hmm. uh, there still doesn't seem to be a lot of um, leadership or necessarily decision making from New Zealand rugby is there a danger that perhaps Scott Robertson's not as focused this season as perhaps he has been other seasons because of all the peripheral things that have been going on no, he's too strong a crusader. He cares too much. Uh, he, he's still trying to uh, initiate things outside of the current team that he's coaching to recognise what's been before. I know this personally. Uh, he, he is trying to set up a legends um, uh, sort of criteria that sits within the current crusaders regime 
he is, he's always thinking about the legacy of the Crusaders and there's no way that anything exterior will ever take away his focus from making sure that A, his coaching record stays impeccable, but B, the legacy that he leaves the Crusaders with is nothing but success. He, he was part of that team, as I was, that went through massive adversity at our, at our uh, start point uh, and then found a way to formulate a culture of each other playing for each other and also doing that region that had been so successful in the past and ran fairly shield history and everything in Canterbury with that jersey and making it successful. There's absolutely no way that any, uh, I, I guess, sort of silver lining or big golden goose, uh, golden egg at the end of the rainbow, whatever it might be, would have any bearing on his mindset of making sure that he has a successful campaign, whether it be his last or not. He will be massively motivated to go through this season undefeated and to win that title. That will be at the forefront of his thinking. And every, any, anything, look, you may be sort of raising your eyebrows now and saying, hmm, okay, but he's not saying that in the media. I agree with that. He is at times alluding to his future. But I can tell you now that while those feet might look like they're a couple of feet off, off the ground and are floating around a little bit, they won't be when it comes to the Crusaders. I, I guarantee you that. You're listening to SENZ. We are putting the spotlight and the focus on the Crusaders as we count down to the start of the Super Rugby season. This show is called In the Red. Mark Watson with you alongside of me, All Black Great, Justin Marshall. Yes, indeed. Mark Watson alongside of me, All Black Great, Justin Marshall. As we count down to this Friday night, it is the Crusaders taking on the Chiefs. Justin, what are the expectations on both sides this Friday? First game of the season. Yes, we can look at pre-season games, but what are the coaches looking for in terms of a benchmark? What will they be hoping? I mean, it would be unrealistic to expect both sides to just automatically click in their first game. Well, uh, whoever did the draw has had a blinder for a start off because <laughs> if you look at the, the first round of entire Super Rugby, uh, there are some um, classic matchups. And, you know, kicking it all off on Friday night with this Crusaders Chiefs game, you know, like, you think about it, these guys have been serious rivals. Both of them tasted a lot of success in the last decade. Uh, the Chiefs probably. The Crusaders bogey team, um, you know, they won in Christchurch last year. Uh, so, look, it's really set up and, and and what a blockbuster game just to set us alight for Super Rugby 23. Um, look, when you think about uh, leading into a season, uh, you know, the, the, key, the key teams in this competition know how important it is to win at home. Um, the Crusaders will be very well aware that the Chiefs are capable of tipping them up at home. Um, I would imagine both coaches... It becomes a bit helter-skelter. Uh, the good thing is there's not been a huge change in, in the laws around the mall or the ruck or offside, some of those things that can really have an effect um, in early season and creates jitters. Um, the, the law changes have been a little bit more uh, regimented. You know, the halfback not coming past, the halfway park of the scrum, uh, mark of the scrum, the... The, the new yellow card innovation, um, just sort of all the laws are basically around, around speeding the game up. So a lot of those technical laws, the players will be very well aware of playing from previous years. So that's that's a good thing because they they tend to, to have influence early season games 
uh, mostly. So you would imagine that both sides then will be able to enter into it with their game plans, knowing the laws they've played under uh, with a, a little bit more freedom. Like when you think about that nine not being able to attack the base of the scrum, when I think of that, not only as a nine, but also as an attacking coach, it opens up so many more possibilities to use your number eight, to use your six and your seven with your number eight, to bounce the nine off the eight because he's not being harassed at the back. Even if you've got a slightly wobbly scrum, the number eight can confidently pick it up, not knowing he's got the opposition nine sweating all over him. So the laws are all conducive to opening the game up and making it free-flowing. If I'm a coach, I'm thinking, okay, let's take all of that into account uh, and think about um, a tough opposition that we're playing first and foremost. Let's not get too helter-skelter. So I think the team that gets their balance right in, in this opening encounter between the Chiefs and the Crusaders will go a long way to winning the game. And when I say balance, it's like, righto, it's going to be fast. It's looked like it's going to be dry and hot. But we've got to make sure that we continue to play in the right areas, use the ball when we need to use it uh, in terms of in the hand or off the foot to get into that right territory and play, yes, quick rugby and make sure that we get all our players in the game, but make sure that we don't play the game like a game of sevens. In my mindset, that's the team that'll come out on top if they get that right on the night. Want to talk about one area where maybe there was a bit of concern about depth coming through, and that's at halfback. Bryn Hall has worked brilliantly in unison with Mitchell Drummond. He's headed off to Japan. English international, Canterbury great Willie Hines. What do you make of his inclusion, and how do you expect the Drummond-Hines uh, combination to work? Are you expecting a similar thing to what we saw with Bryn Hall and Mitchell Drummond? Well, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And and I think if you looked at finals football and where Razor has gone when they had crunch games, he, he had gone for pretty much most of the time Bryn Hall. Uh, so he does leave a hole. Now, Mitchell Drummond has over 100 Super Rugby games and he's, he's one of the best nines going around the country. So they know that they have... Massive reliability in the fact that every time he puts on a jersey, they know what they'll get out of him, and it'll be above average, which is a great feeling to have. You bring Willie Hines, like you mentioned, back into the mix, who's been away for a long time, and you kind of wondered what effect that had on his performance when he enters back into a New Zealand environment after being in the UK and, and the English setup as well. Uh, he slotted into it really well. I was massively impressed with the way that he played the Bunnings NPC last year. So... It's just about whether or not uh, Razor wants that like for like or uh, he, he wants somebody, I guess, a little bit more combative, um, which Willie Hines is than Mitchell Drummond. And when I say like for like, I meant like, Mitchell Drummond to me was very close to the way that Bryn Hall played. Um, you know, they, there wasn't much in between the two of them. So, you know, he knows what he can rely on, Mitch Drummond. He hasn't coached Willie Hines as of yet, but... Uh, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what his mindset is and the pathway he goes down. I still think people are saying there's a bit of vulnerability there. I don't think so. Yeah. You've got two guys with massive experience with a great engine in front of them, um, awesome playmakers outside them and Moonga. Um, you know, you've got Fergus Burke there and the young Tahu Kamara. Um, and, and then Hal Noah Holcomb from um, Tasman slots into the mix as well. And whether he gets game time at nine will be interesting. But 
for me, what I, it is not an area of concern. I think they're well served in the nine jersey. Okay, look, I've only got 90 seconds, and look, week in, week out, we're going to look at different positions, different players, different setups. But just sticking with the halfback mm. then, just Willie Hines, sticking with that um, nine that we've only got about 90 seconds, the combination with the Richie Mwanga, is that something that needs to take time, or do you think that combination, because you've got so much experience, both at first five and halfback, Ooh, those yeah. guys will just gel? Love it when you do your research, Watto. Uh, yeah, it's a very valid point. Uh, yeah, there's nothing like combinations and familiarity. And 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 obviously Mitch Drummond and um, Richie Moonga have played together quite a lot. And that might be the reason why Scott Robertson goes down that combination for that first uh, game and possibly the first couple of games and introduces Willie Hines because he does have a different dynamic and a combative style uh, than, than Mitchell Drummond. Um, so... You know, when you looked at the NPC, Willie Hines got just as much game time, if not more, than Mitchell Drummond. But, you know, you do have to factor in combinations. So, yeah, it's probably quite a valid point that he may look down that pathway um, rather than roll the dice um, in a big game first up. Maybe if they were rolling into the Rebels, mate, with the greatest respect for the Rebels <laughs> or the Force, he might have thought differently. Yeah. Um, I hope no one from Aussie is listening. Yeah. But anyway, oh, they're all listening, Justin. They're all listening. Game, yeah, that's... Yeah. Hey, look, I've got, yeah, good, I've got 50 um, seconds. Oh, I've got, and Melbourne's a great city. Yeah, you keep, talk, <laughs> keep digging yourself out of that hole. We've got 50 seconds. The music's going to kick in. I'm just going to get you to give me the answer. Crusaders, Chief, who wins? Yeah, uh, Crusaders at home, they are impossible okay. to really uh, nut to crack, and they'll be smarting from um, getting beaten there on their home pitch okay, Mo- by the Chiefs. Mo- so Moana- they'll grit their teeth, get stuck in, and win. Moana Pacifica, Fiji, Endura, 30 seconds. Fiji. Okay, Reds Hurricanes. Who cares? No. I'm going to go the Reds, believe it or not. Okay, Waratahs Brumbies. With no disrespect to the Hurricanes. Waratahs Brumbies. Waratahs. Okay, Highlanders Blues. The Highlanders. (laughs) Force Rebels. Who gives a shit?